Minnesota Twins offseason grades, his favorite addition, the subtractions, an offseason recap with Matt Braun. It's coming up next on today's episode of Lockdown Twins. You are Locked On Twins, your daily Minnesota Twins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to the Locked On Minnesota Twins podcast. Today is Thursday, February 16th, and I'm your gracious host, Nash Walker. Thanks for making Locked On Twins your first listen every single day. On the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Again, this is Nash Walker. I've been hosting a daily show for four seasons or three seasons, four off seasons. Been writing about the Twins at TwinsDaily.com for four seasons, four off seasons. And Matt Braun is supposed to be here. He's gonna he's gonna be here. He's coming in. It was a black screen there for a minute. Matt Braun's coming in uh, to recap the off season here for the Twins. His off season grade, what he thought of the additions, the subtractions, and there he is. He made it, folks. He made it. We're so glad we got some some technical problems there, but he's back. Matt, how are you, brother? And uh, how's it going up there out west? Well, well, I got a little introspective just staring into the darkness for about a good thirty <laughs> seconds there. Same, uh, same. But hey, hey, I'm doing fine. Uh, not too much, you know. Whenever you live in in Washington State, everyone all all they ever talk about is the damn rain. Actually, hasn't rained too much lately. Mm-hmm. Got a minimal amount of vitamin D the other day. So, hey, you know, that's all I can ask for. We're chilling. Atrocious winter in Minnesota. I'm, I'm not even – it's yeah. been atrociously bad. Cold, icy, snow, brutal, brutal winter. So, just be glad you were not here for this winter. It was it was bad. The Twins had an active winter. Matt, I don't know if you kept up, but the Minnesota Twins have been making some moves. And we had Matt on to recap some of them. Last year, Matt came on in the heart of the Donaldson trade, which at the time felt like it was it was a seismic shift of the roster, and it was because ultimately it led to Carlos Correa, then the re-signing of Carlos Correa potentially. So that night shaped the future of the Minnesota Twins. Now we're back with Matt to kind of assess what has happened. And I want to ask you, Matt, right off the top, what would you give this offseason grade for the Twins? You have the Correa edition the Luis Arise subtraction, Pablo Lopez is in, Christian Vasquez is in, Joey Gallo, Michael A. Taylor, Kyle Farmer, all in. Jose Salas as a prospect is in. I'm missing some for sure. They've been active. <laughs> How would you grade this offseason? Uh, tough break for Christian Vasquez. Ouch. Uh, <laughs> there it was. Uh, you know, I'd have to I'd have to say around a B plus or so. Uh, I can see, you know, maybe they could have added uh, another uh, reliever with uh, a bit more um, of a back uh, of, a, of a track record, excuse me. Uh, so I could I could see why you're a little bit hesitant to really push them up and say it's a plus to know it's a all the way. Uh, but it, it's hard to ignore that they've added depth and they've added uh, quality veteran players at positions that they've struggled with um, whenever injuries take their toll. And they they've realized that now and they've gone out and they said, hey, let's not hemorrhage wins and send the Jake cave experience out there for 50 mm-hmm. games. Let's add, let's get a, a quality major league player who we know can fill that gap. Maybe not win you so many games, but they're not going to lose you too many games. Uh, so because of that, I have to say I'm pretty satisfied. I'm genuinely excited to see how this season plays out. I'll say that genuinely excited. I'm also in the B plus a minus range. I think for the off season, 
it's hard if I, I want to ask you this too, because I think about it as you were talking, I was thinking, and I wonder, would you bump it into the A range if the twins had traded prospects for Pablo Lopez instead of Luis Arise? And it matters who those guys are. But if Luis Arise was still on the roster, we're thinking about 2023 specifically, would you have bumped it up or does it stay at a, at a B plus? That's a really interesting question. Uh, I'm not sure how much it would change or if it would change. Because I think one of the interesting things about that trade specifically is that, you know, we focused a lot on Luis Arise and Pablo Lopez, but as you, as you mentioned again, Hey, Jose Salas is also in this deal. Byron Churio as well. Uh, Salas is the main prospect. That's not nothing, right? You're talking about a guy who I think has slid in basically top eight, top 10 into basically every prospect list. Uh, so, to look at it from a purely 2023 perspective, yes, if you had prospects instead of Luis Rise, it would be better for that year. But to look at it as like a holistic, how did how better how much better did the franchise get? Um, I think that it wouldn't change too much because they really did well in that, and they were able to supplement not just for now, but also plan a little bit for the future. And you know, Luis Rise, tremendous player. Uh, we already broke this down in enough depth, so we don't have to go too uh, too much into it. But I. I'm, I'm pretty good with that trade. I, I really like what they did. We're getting some videos out of spring training out of Fort Myers. Pablo Lopez pulling up in Pagoda's projection system and Pagoda's from baseball prospectus. And we like to look at this every single year. It's a huge spreadsheet for those who don't know. It's got like hitting projections, pitching projections. They're split up. There's always a surprise. And last year for me, one of the biggest surprises, they had Joe Ryan as like one of the best pitchers in the American League as a projection. And I thought... That's amazing. That would be amazing. This year, Joe's a little bit further down from where he was last year, but he's still in a good range. Pablo Lopez is projected to be the Twins' most valuable pitcher. And Matt, he's in the Christian Javier range. He's right around there with like Julio Arias. It's like that 15 to 25 range of starting pitchers for most valuable projections for 2023. Do you think that overall... Twins fans, at least in the reactions you've seen or like just in, in how he's evaluated, do you think he's undervalued generally? Oh, I think absolutely so. I think he's he's a tough one to crack because he's sort of in this sphere of uh, you can see outlines of his profile and you can see bits and pieces that make you go, hey, this guy's really going to be a stud. But he just hasn't quite, you know, put it all together for for even though I'm trying to avoid the cliches. I mean, he, he hasn't, no. If he could combine the efficiency of 2021 with the innings of 2022, you got yourself an all-star pitcher, but he hasn't quite done that yet. Uh, but like I said, those those are there. The fastball, I think, is workable. The changeup is just tremendous. Uh, and he's got other measurables that you could really look at and say, hey, a touch to, uh, touch here, touch there. You could really uh, morph this guy into becoming – uh, a top tier starting pitcher, something that is hard to hard to come by. Uh, so yeah, I think he's I think he's a little underrated. If he's your number one or number two guy, you're not doing too bad. Uh, don't know how many playoff games you win. That's another discussion we can have. But I think you're going to win at least you know 85, 90 games in the regular season, and from there you can you know move on and do do whatever you want. So yeah, I think he's still a little bit underrated by most Twins fans. More from Pakoda Zips. Matt's thoughts. He says he's excited. He's simply excited for the season. I want to hear more on that. But first, a word from our partner, FanDuel. FanDuel is the fastest and easiest way to make all your bets. 
Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. You can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drain because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. It's the midway point of the NBA season. Now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So head on over to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Matt Braun, back with us. And if you're going to make Lockdown Twins your first listen, you better make Lockdown Prospects your second listen with host Lindsey Crosby. He's a prospect encyclopedia. He's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. A take that Lindsey had, Matt. He said, Edward Julian is going to be better than Luis Arise. That was from our prospect guy at Lockdown. Let's let's chat about Julian for a second because I've seen some. There's already been like this steam I feel like or this feeling. Hey, if he has a big spring, potentially could make the opening day roster. Hey, if he has a couple strong weeks in St. Paul to kick off the season, he's going to be up with the Twins for a majority of it. Where do you stand today on Ed Julian and his role uh, this summer? Well, that's well, that's that, that's a spicier take than I care to uh, you know <laughs> pull out. But I will say I, I'm I'm a big edward julian fan as a hitter i mean you look at his profile and it's just like i i don't really know what else you need from him um last year really uh not uh 2022 but 2021 didn't quite have uh, the batting average that you'd like to see but really bumped that back up uh and he just gets on base a ton and the power is there i mean i mean it's it i feel incredibly confident that he's going to hit at the very least at a major league level maybe even better probably even better let's say uh, the question though, always is where does he play defensively? Because you could say, Hey, let's stick him at second base. Uh, you're going to hemorrhage runs there though. I, he really hasn't, uh, developed enough. I don't think, uh, to become even like an acceptably below average fielder there, which is unfortunate. So yeah, his bat's going to be great. But the question's going to be where, where do you have the opportunity to play him? And they have, you know, uh, 3000 left-handed hitting outfielders. So mm-hmm. it's not uh, it's going to be easy for him to break through that group. Uh, but that being said, uh, I do fully agree. I think he is – I think he should have been up last year uh, to some degree. I don't really – you can't even say it was like 40-man reasons because they had to add him to the 40-man roster this offseason. So he'll definitely be up soon, uh, probably even May, April-ish. I wouldn't be surprised. You mentioned that glut of left-handed outfielders. Something the Twins, you're a prospect guy, you followed the system for a while, you know their tendencies, and we've watched their drafts and how they develop guys. Position hasn't been a priority for them. You look at their picks, like, I don't think they worry about that first. I think their first question is, can you hit? And we'll figure out a spot for you. But then this offseason, the major league roster philosophy has clearly been, let's add some depth to the roster, but let's add it defensively. Like Michael A. Taylor, Joey Gallo, I think you have to view Joey Gallo as a glove first guy at this point. Michael A. Taylor, certainly Cal Farmer is a good shortstop, probably a really good third baseman if he played there regularly. So what's your take on that, Matt? That it's like this split philosophy. Do you think it's changing 
or do you think like have they realized we don't we don't want all these positionless prospects we don't want all these positionless players on our roster hence maybe why they traded Luis Arise or partly why they traded Luis Arise um that could be it because um I definitely know I've I've come onto the show and I've uh complained let's let's call it complained about uh how they do seem to have a glut of younger pr- uh players who come up and yeah they can technically play second base as in like I can technically play second base but it's <laughs> like you don't really want to see a guy there for right. for that long uh so yeah I mean uh, that could be it you just uh take your guys uh when you take them because you like them generally as say like a raw package. Uh, and then, you know, you let the chips fall where they are. Uh, but I think they saw, if you try and do that, at the major league level, you're going to end up uh, playing some real ugly baseball. Uh, so yeah, I guess, uh, I guess that probably has changed that definitely at the major league level. I don't know if I could comment too much on the minors. I haven't noticed uh, that being somewhere that change. Uh, I do think they like to prioritize, uh, like you said, what's what's your complete ideal like power package, right? Like wh- if this player hits his ninetieth uh, or 99th, you know wherever he's going to go, how high is that power going to be? Because they have so many guys. I mean, Sabato and oh, um, uh, who was the shortstop? I can't think of it. Keone Caveco. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't work out. But then you're looking right now. You got Jose Rodriguez, who I'm pretty sure still is 17, which is stupid. Uh, Yasser, uh, Yasser Mercedes. Uh, Emmanuel Rodriguez was slugging like 600 uh, mm-hmm. before he got injured. You know, they're really focused on, hey, let's get guys who can crush the ball out of the ballpark. We'll, we'll fit them in when we have to. We'll worry about that later, you know. There's a fine line between positional flexibility and no position. Like You could say Edward Julian. Oh, Ed Julian's got position flexibility. He can play second. He can play left field. No, it's because he can't play anything, right? That's like, what's the what's the line there? I think for the Twins, they've tiptoed that line with these prospects. And maybe when, with their top prospects, you know, with Royce Lewis or Brooks Lee or guys we're going to see, like, is it flexibility or is it they just can't stick at their original position? Well, it's also an incredibly difficult. I, I mean, we, we, we talk about this, but uh, to actually – try and not just be the player uh, who's an excellent two-way player, but to try to identify guys that you think are going to be excellent two-way players. It's Mm -hmm. maybe up there with like finding top tier starting pitching, like the hardest thing to do in baseball. So when you see a team like the the Houston Astros who have such great hitters and fielders, that's a rarity. That's, that's Mm -hmm. such a unique outlier skill that it's like, it's hard to even dog the twins for not having it. Cause it's, it's like, there's only like one or two teams. Uh, I'm going to finish his line. Consistently pump out players on both sides of the ball. <laughs> We're going to wait for Matt to come back. He's got some internet troubles here on his side of the stream. I, I think we're going to kick him and he'll come back. Very, that was, that point was profound. He was making profound points there. Matt, I was just hyping up your takes. We just really, uh, did, did no one catch any of that? Did, did we oh, drop a fall? Oh, so we missed, we missed like the last five seconds. So you said teams that consistently pump out and then it, then you cut. Oh shoot. Well, I, for dramatic effect, let's leave it at that. Maybe. It was excellent. Ah, oh, yeah, it was excellent. Matt, you mentioned the two-way players, twins. It's hard to identify 
but they did add Carlos Correa and he is that guy. You know, he's one of the one of the best two-way players in baseball at his best and we hope Byron Buxton is that guy. Christian Vasquez is somebody if Christian Vasquez had not had that second half slump with the Astros offensively, I think I would be a lot more excited about the signing, but it shouldn't matter that much. Like that part of the season shouldn't matter to me as much as I think just recency biases in my brain, because I think of Christian Vasquez as one of the best two-way catchers in baseball. I think the Christian Vasquez signing could be one of the more underrated of the offseason for any team. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, just as much as I, and I, I deeply apologize for anyone who followed me on Twitter from about like 2019 through 2021. I was the biggest Jason Castro fan maybe to even walk the planet because to have an excellent defensive catcher who can hit even just like the most minute, like 90 WRC plus, like we're, we're scraping average right here to have that kind of player, dude, that's stupid value. Like that is, that that's a guy I, I, I don't have the splits on me at hand, but I'm pretty sure the twins won like the vast majority of games that Castro was starting. And it's not because he was lighting the world on fire offensively. It's because he was manning an incredibly demanding defensive position while also providing even just adequate offense. And that's something that, like you said, I think Vasquez does tremendously well. So it won't surprise me if he goes above and beyond uh, supplies just an enormous amount of value for them uh, at catcher. Uh, and I think he's a great pairing with Jeffers as well. I think uh, they're really going to be set for the next few years there. I love the look up the middle with Vasquez and Correa and hypothetically with Buxton and Taylor in center. Just defensively, it raises your floor as a unit. Looking at the rest of this division, Matt, it was an interesting offseason for for every team in the Central. Every team kind of had like a semi-prominent move. Cleveland added Josh Bell. The White Sox added Andrew Benintendi. The Twins had the most active offseason, you know, adding Lopez and Correa. They win that by default. The other two, the Royals and Tigers, did basically nothing. What is your take on the offseason overall in the American League Central outside of Minnesota? <laughs> you know exactly what you're doing with this question. You, I, I see through it. There is – the T is right here. We are putting the ball right on that T. Yes. All right, let's 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 dunk on the White Sox. Let's do it. Um, No, I'll, I'll save them for last. Uh, it's like if you try to draw up, like, in theory, what is the most, like, standard offseason for each team in the AL Central, it would be exactly what each team did this offseason, like mm-hmm. to a T. Uh, Cleveland, they did their thing. They got Josh Bell. Yeah, okay, they're going to – they're going to win 85 games at the very least with pitchers you've never heard of who are just stupid, disgusting. Uh, the Royals, I was actually quite surprised. They just dumped Adalberto Mondesi like out of nowhere, right? Mm-hmm. I felt, that felt so strange. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're have to, they have to figure out their own stuff. I, I get why they weren't as active. Uh, they fired Cal Eldridge, which automatically adds like five wins to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, Vinny Pasquantino is going to murder the division. Oh, God, he's a monster. (laughs) He's so good. Buy your stocks now, people, if you haven't already. Uh, The Tigers, God bless them. I don't know what they're doing. Uh, And the White Sox, again, God bless them. I don't know what they're doing. Uh, What I think is going to be the most interesting thing and what actually surprisingly I haven't seen a whole lot of people talk about is that it probably matters less this year. No, it doesn't probably. It definitely matters less this year about what the rest of your division is doing because of this homogenized schedule, mm-hmm. right? No longer uh, are you going to be able to just beat up on the dredges in the bottom of the AL Central. You got to play, you know, the meanies in the NL East now. 
or uh, excuse me, in the NL West as well. So while you're still going to be battling against these guys for who's going to be first, who's going to be getting wild cards and whatnot, uh, you're not going to be battling them head to head. So I don't know how that's going to play out. Don't know what that's going to look like, but I definitely think it's going to be changing this dynamic a little bit. If you're interested in more from Matt about 2023, we're going to have team MVP, team Cy Young, team rookie of the year. All of that is going to be dropping on Friday's episode. We're going to finish up on our offseason chat here. We got his grade. So Matt's in that B plus range. I'm in that B plus A minus range. One thing that has not changed for this front office this offseason, and I'm glad you touched on a little earlier, is the bullpen. Just nothing. They didn't add a single veteran piece to the bullpen. I mean, they had AJ Alexi for like two days. He's now in the White Sox org, so we would wish him the best. And I think they added another reliever from uh, Anaheim. They're adding these minor league relievers on on NRIs or non-rosters, and they didn't add anybody, any veteran bullpen help. Do you think their bullpen's okay, Matt? And is that going to be something they regret? Um, I man, and before I get skinned alive for this, I think they're I think they're fine. I think I like now let's let's clear the table and let's say that relievers are freaking weird mm-hmm. in that I don't understand them. You don't understand them. Uh, I think someone uh in the comments of one of my latest articles put it uh precisely when they said uh the issue is relievers well you can grade everyone else uh like on a normal like this guy's an a this guy's a c relievers it's almost always pass fail right Mm -hmm. you either did the job or you didn't and because it's that extreme dichotomy it makes it so hard to judge them but i look at the group and i see okay you got you on to ron who is going to melt faces and he's, he's just incredible and add as many other adjectives as you want they're all accurate. He's going to be uh, awesome. And then you have Griffin Jacks, who I think is going to be even better this year. Uh, he's been working it up at driveline. So he's going to, he throws like 105 now or something. I don't yeah, know. I'm on uh, board. hundred oh, yeah. percent. Again, buy your stocks. Buy people, stock, yeah. Please. Uh, but I think what also you have uh, Caleb Fieldbar was, uh, he should have gotten more love in like national recognition last year. Uh, I think Jorge Lopez is probably going to bounce back. Uh, I just think half season weird stuff. Uh, don't buy it. He is too nasty to not figure out that the ball goes in the strike zone and then let everything else just carry uh, what it is. Uh, but I think Giovanni Moran, especially, uh, if they decide to give him a, a bigger role, which I don't know why they wouldn't, uh, I think he's going to really kill it. I mean, his that changeup is just, what do you do with it, right? All you do is swing and miss at it. And he threw more strikes than I was expecting. Uh, I think he's going to be really good. And, and here's the major one. Here's the one that's going to lose all the followers. I, I, I think Emilio Pagan isn't that bad. I'll say it. I'll say it's it. not that you bad. You heard it here. You heard, heard it, here. it here. Now, okay, so here, here's another thing. I've been, um, as a way to sharpen my writing skills, I've been going back and uh, writing post games for every Twins game that the last played in the last season. And at least – 10 times, I believe it's now, Emilio Pagan blew the game against the Cleveland Guardians. Yep. Uh, so that sucks. That's unfortunate. But I I just don't see it happening again. Do you remember in 2018 when I think they set a record for amount of times walked off in a season? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And then what happened in 2019? Everything was fine. Oh, what a yep. lovely year it was. Can we go back? Uh, <laughs> but it's that same kind of logic where it's like, okay, this was such an extreme outlier of like, I'll, I'll straight up call it bad luck. I'll call it that. Mm-hmm. That it 
there's a good chance it's not going to happen again. And you look at how he performed in low leverage situations. He just ate hitters for breakfast. I think if they keep him lower in like that fifth or sixth uh, head on the totem pole, I think he's going to be just fine. It's going to be like, you got to find someone else to complain about, right? You can't blame all your problems on Emilio Pagan. So I, I do think, I think it's going to be a solid bullpen. That was my line. It he can't possibly be worse. He just cannot possibly be worse because as you said, eloquently, he's not going to be pitching in those high leverage spots. Fingers crossed. Nobody, yeah, yeah. you know, we're not losing five, six relievers. Knocking like, all across my desk yeah, right now. Knocking all across. If you want to hear MVP picks from Matt, Cy Young, breakout prospects. Last year, Matt picked Emmanuel Rodriguez, folks. So I think you're going to want to hear his breakout prospect for 2023. Matt, thank you. And we're going to chat soon. Friday's episode is going to be filled with Matt's preseason picks and mine as well. Coming up next. Thanks, Matt. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.